In Matthew 28, verses 1 and following, we find these words. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy and did run to bring the disciples' word. For a few moments, I want to talk about unleashing awesome power. I'm sure that we've all seen times where there had been awesome power uh, that's been displayed in forms or fashion uh, in your world and in mine. I remember hearing a story many years ago about uh, this young man was going to marry this girl and they got married and he finally said, honey, when you turn 40 years of age, I'm going to buy a sports car for you. And she said, oh, that's going to be great. So her heart was set on getting that sports car when she turned uh, 40 years of age. And now they've been married about 15 years. She's about ready to turn 40 in a week or so. And she kept reminding him, you told me you're going to get me a sports car when I turn 40. Next week I turn 40. There better be something sitting in that driveway that gets from zero to 60 in 4.3 seconds. And he kept trying to explain to her that there was no way they could afford a sports car in this part of their life. It's hard enough to put a roof over their head and food on the table. But she was persistent, I want that sports car as you promised me. And, and he said, not going to happen. So the next morning, uh, she said, my birthday is tomorrow. When I wake up, there'll be something in that driveway uh, that gets from zero to 60 in, in 6.4 seconds, or we're going to have a, a come to Jesus meeting. Well, the next morning, she awakened and opened up the curtain, all excited, and looked out the window. And there in the driveway was a little package. And she goes out and unlocks it. It's a pair of bathroom scales with a note that says it goes from zero to 350 in 1.3 seconds. Now, friend, that's unleashing awesome power. Are you with me? That's unleashing awesome power right there. Uh, not to be offensive. That's a joke, friend. That's a joke. Now, that being said, I'm sure that each and every one of us at some place in our life, uh, we have seen a devastating tornado rip through and leave carnage and trailers and everything else in harm's way. That's awesome power on display. I'm sure we live long enough in Florida that we can test the fact of hurricanes coming through and how that we have seen the earthquakes uh, fall down trees and, and, and tear up all kinds of, of, of buildings and everything. And we've got another hurricane staring down the pipe at us even now. Perhaps you've been through an earthquake uh, where you have seen just in a few seconds the earth begin to tremble and yet miles and miles and miles of interstate that was so intrinsically put together with, uh, with, with steel uh, and, and with cement uh, was left in ruins and shambles in a matter of seconds. Friend, that is a display of awesome power. I have seen on the news uh, uh, out west with some of those tornadoes that would pick up an automobile and hurl it 200 yards into an open field. That, my friend, is awesome power. 
I'm sure that we've been living long enough to see the space shuttle uh, here in, in Florida blast off and, and even that thing in re-entry coming in, uh, your house will shake uh, and, and you can feel the blast all the way uh, Cape Canaveral from here when it takes off. That is awesome power to say the least. I was not alive when it happened, but I don't remember it, but uh, when the bombs dropped on Hiroshima and on Nagasaki in Japan, or, and we remember uh, just how devastating all that was and the awesome power that was on display during that particular time. But let me tell you something, friend. That is power of nature. That's the power of the atom bomb. But with that being said, there, to, to, to testify to this, uh, in Missouri at one little town in the courthouse, there is a display uh, of a piece of straw that went into a piece of timber as a result of a tornado that went through. They said that some way it was almost like that piece of straw was electrified and it was like a piece of steel had been driven into that piece of wood. That is power on display. But with all the illustrations that I've shared thus far this evening, there has never been any power displayed like the power of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and rising from the grave to live forevermore. That, my friend, is awesome power that indeed was on display. It was a power displayed that no one had ever died and rose from the grave never to die again. I know about how you are and I am. We go to the graves many times and we put flowers on the graves and we visit the graves of our family members and our, our loved ones. But the truth of the matter is, they're not in there. They've already gone to be with, with the Lord in heaven. But there is coming a day when the Bible said, uh, Jesus Christ is coming back in the clouds. And when he comes back, there's going to be a trumpet sound and there's going to be a shout. And when Jesus Christ shout, those that were buried that believed in the Lord, their spirits are going going to be reunited uh, with the bodies that are, that, are, that are decomposing in the grave. It will be a resurrection morning. you talking about another power on display. Uh, friend, it's not going to be a resurrection of the old. It's not going to be a reconstruction of the old. It's going to be a brand new brilliant life called resurrection. Uh, we were been sown in weakness, but we're going to come out of that grave in power. We were sown as a mortal, but it'll come out in immortality. Uh, it's a power, my friend, unlike anything this world has ever seen. And I'm here to tell you, uh, the Democrats can't stop it. The Republicans can't stop it. The devil can't stop it. Religion can't stop it. When Jesus makes up his mind to come back to get us home, there ain't nobody going to be able to stop it because he has all power uh, both in heaven and in earth. And there's going to be tremendous power that would be displayed on that day just as it was uh, when he was raised from the grave. Uh, my friend, I remind you, it is a power on display like no one had ever seen because no one had ever died at to rise from the grave never to die again. Uh, Jesus Christ freely laid his life down but he freely picked it right back up again. Uh, Jesus Christ said go ahead and crucify me. Uh, go ahead and kill me but there ain't no grave can hold me down. There's no death that can keep me bound for I am life and I am the resurrection and I freely lay it down and I will freely pick it back up again. Go ahead and bury me in a tomb but there ain't no grave going to hold my body down and when the stone was removed the stone was not removed to let Jesus out the stone was removed to prove he was already out of that grave praise God I'm grateful I serve a God that unleashes awesome power and his power is always available for the children of the most high God so far reaching so far reaching my friend and so astonishing is the power of God on display at his resurrection that it divided time in two B.C. and A.D. before Christ and after his death 
Thank God we're living right now in the year 2022 of our Lord. Amen. Not in the name, not in the, not in the year of Buddha, not in the year of Krishna, not in the year of any, anything else, but in the year of our Lord. For it is our Lord is the only one that overcame death and hell and the grave and ever lives to make intercession for we the people of God. And he's gone away to prepare a place for us. And thank God he's coming again to receive us unto himself. Paul said if we had hope in this world only, we would be miserable. This is a terrible world we live in. It's like the devil took a big old black paintbrush and just marked up the beautiful painting that God had made of this world with sin and all the other stuff. But there's coming a day where that awesome power is going to display it all over again. And God is going to take us into a brand new heaven and a brand new earth for the old things are going to be passed away and new things are on the horizon, my friend. The best the devil can do is not destroy the plan of God. He cannot defeat the plan of God. He can only slow down the plan of God a little bit, but God has a plan and nothing, absolutely nothing can hold back his power from being manifested in this world. God unleashed power to establish the identity of Jesus Christ being the Son of God. Amen. He unleashed this awesome power to establish the identity of Jesus Christ. Not of the angels, not of Satan, not of one of the disciples, not of some Nero, not some Pharaoh, but power of Jesus Christ to identify him as the Son of God. Paul said, and he declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I don't know if we as Christians whether let that sink into our gray marrow or not. The God that we serve died for your sins and mine and he buried just like any other man. But the difference is death could not hold him. Resurrection power. It doesn't make sense to the mind. It's never been done before. Well, what about in the Bible where it talked about Lazarus rising from the dead? Guess what? He had to die again. That was not so much resurrection as it was resuscitation. Jesus died, rose from the grave, never, ever, ever to die again. I'm grateful I can place my faith in him. If Jesus Christ can raise the dead, he can do anything with those of us that are alive. And since Jesus himself has tasted death for every one of us, and he overcame death by dying, he overcame sin by becoming sin, he overcame the devil, he overcame the grave, he overcame everything. And because of that, you and I can place our trust, our hope, and our faith in him who will never let us down. Amen. That's his promise, that's his word. The whole of Christianity rests upon the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. If Jesus Christ has not risen from the dead, our preaching is vain and our faith is useless. If there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are wasting our time here. And Jesus did what he said he would do or he's a liar. Jesus accomplished what he said he did or he's a liar. Jesus actually bore your sins in his body on the tree and he died and rose from the grave or his word is a lie. And we're wasting our time. But because he rose from the grave, we have a living hope because we have a living faith in a living Lord tonight and his name is Jesus. My hope is not in the assemblies of God. My hope is in the God of the assemblies. 
My hope is not in the denomination. My hope is in a resurrection. My hope is not in a man. My hope is in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lord himself. The whole of Christianity rests upon the word that, the, that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain also. If all we wanted to do was try to please God, we'd have to fulfill the Ten Commandments. If we wanted to have a happy life, we could just say, well, I'm going to do what the Bible says in case, hurrah, hurrah. But friend, we cannot keep the Ten Commandments. We cannot please God through the auspices of the flesh. We can say, well, I'll go back to the Old Testament and offer up offerings every day. Let me tell you, the blood of bulls and goats would cover the sins of the people, but I want a Savior that will remove my sins from my life. In the Old Testament, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year and there he offered up blood, a ritual over and over that would cover their sin and his work was never done. Every year, there was no chair to be found uh, in the temple or in the tabernacle. Uh, there was all types of things to do with all the furniture, everything to go for, and they never ever finished their work. But when Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave, the Bible said he now is seated at the right hand of God the Father. His work is complete, praise God. And because he lives, we live. Hallelujah. Because he lives, we live tonight. Without a living Jesus, our preaching is in vain. Without a living Jesus, our profession of faith is useless. Cleansing and forgiveness come through the power of the sacrificial lamb and rest upon the mercy of God. In the Old Testament, the question was, when Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah, and the question was, where is the lamb? And Abraham said, God will provide. When Jesus Christ was being baptized in the Jordan River, it was John the Baptist that saw him coming and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Then you look in the book of Revelation and he says, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Praise God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. And I am the life. Oh, you need to take that out of your sheath and rattle that saber in the face of the devil now and again and say, I serve a God that's alive. I serve a God that you can't kill. I serve a God whose blood will never, ever run out of forgiveness. I serve a God today that loves me just as I am, but loves me too much to let me stay that way. I serve a God tonight, Slewfoot, uh, that loves me and proved it by his death, burial, and resurrection. I read a story about D.L. Moody many years ago. He ran into a Brahm priest, and that Brahm priest said, I could say I'm the resurrection and life. And Moody said, yeah, but who would believe it? One guy said one time, oh, it's easy to start a religion. Well, go out and get yourself crucified and buried and rise again, and I'll follow you, but it ain't going to happen. There's only one that's done that. The famous artist by the name of Dor, attempted to cross a European border without a passport. And the guards demanded proof of his identity. People would try to get through that border over and over and over again, and, and yet nobody had the passport. So Dor began to take out a piece of paper and a pencil and began to sketch the likeness of the guard. He said, yep, you're the man. Your credentials tell you 
There was a guy in California one time with a rugged beard and dirt, he had enough dirt in his fingernails to start a subdivision and he went into the library and got him an arm full of books and came out to check him out and he says, I am Jesus Christ. And the librarian didn't even look up. She said, ID please, ID please. You see, we can claim a lot of things. People claim to be a lot that they're not. But Jesus Christ said it, he did it, he backed it up, he fulfilled it, and the word of God is true for that I'm grateful. God unleashed awesome power so that each believer, believing person might know that our sins have been forgiven. Just by a show of hands, be honest, how many of you live in condemnation from time to time? Condemnation. And where's it come from? Things you did a long time ago? It comes back to haunt you. It comes back to just, just that full of fear, that condemnation. But I want to tell you something. For the blood of Jesus Christ has touched. It's gone. It's gone. I said it's gone. When Satan reminds you of your past, and we all have one, remind him of his future. When Satan condemns you for what you've done, you say, what sins are you talking about? They're not there. They're gone as far as the east is from the west. For that I am so grateful. Friend, we all have skeletons hanging in our closets that we're not proud of. But I am so grateful that we point it to the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. Now I know this sounds crazy. When I first got saved and read about the blood of Christ, I wondered where to happen to that blood. And I literally in my mind thought, was there an angel with a bucket? Going by and scooping it up, putting it in the bucket so they can sit on the fireplace, uh, the mantle of the fireplace of heaven. That's what I thought. I hadn't read the Word of God enough to know what was going on. But I said, there's got to be something important about this blood that it can't be wasted. There's got to be something about that blood that's kept somewhere. I mean, we have photo albums that we put photos in. We have places we got roses from funerals that we've kept. We've got all these keepsakes to remind us of something. Then I begin to read the word of God that Jesus took his own blood and sprinkled upon the mercy seat in heaven. And forever and ever and ever, when Satan says you're a sinner, you're nothing, you're a nobody, we can point to that blood that was shed 2,000 years ago plus and say, what sins are you talking about? For they are gone I said they are gone, never to be remembered against us again. Forgiven, praise God. And it's all not because of church attendance. It's not because we're goody two-shoes. It's not because we give our tithe and offering. It's not because we're faithful to church. It's not because we read our Bible. It's not because we pray. It's not because we sing worship songs. It's because of the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. It's nothing that you have done. It's nothing that I've done except embrace and accept what he has done. And therefore we are forgiven. Paul said, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Delivered for our offenses. Think about that. Why in the world would Jesus Christ die for me, a sinner? I hate to ask you to do this, but I'm going to. Would you allow yourself without being depressed to go down the quarter of time from yesterday and remember some of the cesspools of life that you lived in, some of the hell holes that you camped in, some of the sins that God's forgiven you from and delivered you from? 
When that curtain is rolled back and we look down the corridor of time to remember what we were, why would Jesus Christ die for that? Why would Jesus die for Adolf Hitler? Why would Jesus die for bin Laden and Saddam Hussein? We totem pole sin. Sin is sin. And the wages of sin brings death no matter who we are or what kind of sin we've done. We tend to totem pole sins that this is a bad one, that's not too bad. Sin is sin. But why would he even die for the wickedness that we had in our heart and the, and, and the way we spit in the face of God and the way that we broke the heart? Why? Because he loves and one of the things it's hard for us to wrap our heads and our hearts around is just how much God Almighty loves me and just how much God loves you. I can't comprehend that love and sometimes I even fight against that love. How about you? We don't know how to love like we should. But God knows how to love and he proved it. Because love is what caused him to leave the glory of heaven and the splendor of heaven. And he humbled himself and left the glory that he had with the Father and took upon himself a body. You know, he limited himself when he put a body on. When he moved into a body, he limited himself. He never ceased being God, but he limited himself in what he could do in this body. We were bought with a phenomenal price. For the Bible said we've not been redeemed with silver and gold, but by the precious blood. Life is in the blood. Power is in the blood. Cleansing is in the blood. Forgiveness is in the blood. And we were bought because he loved us with an everlasting love. And when I was rebelling against God, when I was spitting in the face of God, when I was taking God's name in vain, when I was hating people and hating life, the whole time I was going against the love that God had for me. But one day, somebody got hold of God in prayer. Somebody shared the gospel with me. Somebody said that Jesus loved me. And the light clicked on and the message penetrated into the gray matter of my spirit. And I thought, there's a God who came down to earth. There's a God God who loved me. There's a God who proved that he loved me by the death that he died and the life that he gave to me. Amen. I'm grateful that I've embraced that love. When I first got saved and read the scriptures, I thought, I don't understand how this works. And I began to study the gospel of John and read it again and again. And I thought, how could the blood he shed take care of mine and me for what I've done? And it just didn't make sense. Until I realized that sin had to be paid. The price and the wages of sin had a debt to it. And then Jesus paid the debt he did not owe. And I owed the debt that I could not pay. It's like Jesus came to this world and said, Father, your holiness has got to be satisfied. Sin has got to be judged. So take the sins of Jeff Davis, the sins of Saddam Hussein, the sins of the world and put them upon me. For by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world. But by the obedience of one, many can become righteous. And God Almighty allowed his son to stand in your place and mine. And the blood, thank God, the blood that he shed satisfied the wholeness, the righteousness, and the demands of God. And he put upon himself all of our offenses. And he carried our sins to that cross. He died upon that cross, the vicarious death, as you and I well know.
And then he said, it is finished. What was finished? Not Jesus. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it's finished. The plan has been fulfilled. And I believe there was a party going on in hell that day and Satan said, we defeated Jesus. We defeated God's plan. He bleeds just like another man. He's dead just like other men. And they carried that limp corpse and placed it in a, in a tomb. Ah. But he rose from the grave. He took our offenses by dying, but he rose from the grave for our justification. And here's the, here's the great part. And you know it. Nothing deep here tonight, nothing new tonight, just a reminder. Justified. We are justified standing before God. Hear by the terminology? God looks at me just if I'd never sinned. Justified. And you say that, preacher, because the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. God has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on behalf of all of us who believe, thus making our forgiveness valid and complete. And not only has our sins been removed, but when we invite Jesus into our lives, we are born again. All things pass away and all things become new. I don't do what I used to do. I don't want to do what I used to do. And the things I didn't want to do, I want to do them now. How do you figure that? I've been born again, praise God. My desires change. My hopes change. My life change. Everything about me changed. And for that, I'm grateful. Amen. And I'm sure that in many of your houses, salvation turned your house to a home. Yeah. Took liquor and bought milk took drugs and bought clothes. Like in your house, it wasn't mine. Transformed by the power of a living God. J. Wilbur Chapman put it this way. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins away. And rising, he justified freely forever. That's my Jesus. God unleashed awesome power so that every person might be convinced of God's promise for personal salvation. Here's the problem today. There's a lot of people that don't want God. They just want to feel better. A lady came to an altar many, many years ago in my home church and they tried to lead her to the Lord and she bawled and she squalled and the pastor said, what can I do to help you? You want to get saved? She said, oh no, I don't want to get saved. I just want some relief. He said, I can't help you. We have created in America and around the world, we have created a God in our image. And the God that we have created within our image goes contrary to the God of this book. And yet the God that we've created in our image is the one that we want to embrace. That he's going to, going to wink at our sins and excuse our sins because the God we've created in our mind says we can do what we want. I read an article, I guess it was Friday morning in the office of a lady who was Pentecostal. And through the years, she got out of her Pentecostal ways because she found a church that she finally loved that adapted to the way that she truly believed. And she said, I no longer believe in hell. I believe in the God of the Bible, love, love, love. I no longer believe that it's wrong uh, to have two partners. So she now has two husbands. 
And she said, uh, basically, the two husbands service me, but the two men don't do anything together, just with me. And oh, it's wonderful to have the third income coming in, and it's wonderful to have three parents. The Bible was wrong on that aspect, she says. I've learned the right way. And I still go to church, and people judge me, judge me all they want to. I know what I believe, and I believe what I believe from the Bible. And what I believe, it's not condemned in the Bible to have two husbands. I don't believe in hell. I believe it's old-fashioned archaic. And I teach my children to pray and to worship the Lord. And we go to church, and we're happy. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? But where do you find the conviction, and where do you find the, the assurance that her name's in the, in the book of heaven? Because it goes contrary to this book. And what I'm saying, church, is we cannot create God in our mind. We've got to submit to the God who created us, and we need to have his mind. Amen. And yet we're living in a world today where it sounds so, so wonderful to the ear. Oh, that we can do this, and we can do that, and we can have this, and we can have that. And God still loves us. I talk to people all the time. That, that, that One person in, in particular trying to talk to this individual about his soul. And yet he has a woman now living with him periodically. And they go on trips together periodically. But he said, I'm just an old sinner. God understands. Praying for you, everything will be fine. When people are convinced that the God of their mind that they built up is the God they're going to serve and the God they're going to have accountability to, and then you tell them about the God of the Bible, they get angry. But we've got the right, we've got the responsibility, we have the mandate. We must in love say, there is a God who gave the book. There is a God who gave his life. There is a God, his name is Jesus, who freely poured out his blood that you might be born again, that your thinking might change and line up with the word of God. Call it old-fashioned, call it archaic, call it anything you want, but we're going to be judged by this book, so we better live by this book. God help us to do so. Each and every one of us needs a living Savior, and God Almighty has provided such a Savior through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ the Lord. Praise God. We need a living hope that makes life worth living, and that's exactly what Jesus Christ has offered. I remind you, death is not the end. There is life beyond the grave. There is life beyond the grave. I now have entered into a season of my life that many of you have been in for years. My family, my parents are gone. But I do not grieve their death. I really don't. I miss them. I picked up the phone the other day to call mom, realizing she's not there. I wake up some nights in the middle of the night of a dead sleep going, they're not here, they're not here. And just for a split second, I could get myself all messed up. But I think about this book. And I think about the Savior that they know in this book. And I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I think you all just beat me there. Amen. And I bring, it brings so much peace. It brings so much consolation to know that you don't lose somebody when you know where they are. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus Christ that I can say I know where mom's at. I know where dad's at tonight because of the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. We need a living hope that makes life worth living. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has offered. Death is not the end. There's life beyond the grave. How do we know that? Because Jesus came out of that grave. He is the pathfinder. And he went through that valley, not just the valley of shadow death, he went through death itself and came out on the other side victorious. Now, friend, you're going to die one day. Should the Lord tarry? So am I. I don't know when the day's coming. I don't want to stand in line for it. I like life. 
I'm still trying to learn how to live. I, I want to try to learn how to be happy in my own flesh sometimes, and I don't know how to be happy in my own skin sometimes. How about you? But I know one thing, when that day comes, I won't have a thing to do except trust Jesus. They tell me in all the experiences I've had and all the studies I've done that death is not a bad thing for Christians. It's not painful. It's the circumstances surrounding death that can be painful. But death itself, stepping out of this in time into eternity, leaving this body, going home, how can that be painful? But I'm grateful that I have a Savior that has tasted death for me already and came out on the other side victorious over it. And friends, we can live for Jesus and we can die with Jesus. Either way, we're victorious. When Bishop Warren Chandler faced death, he was asked, do you dread to cross the river of death? And he said, my father owns the land on both sides of the river. Why should I fear? Amen. <laughs> my father owns the land on both sides of the river. Why should I fear? Little boy one time was caught in the cemetery running through it, and the man came, the caretaker said, Son, what are you doing in this cemetery? It's after dark. He said, I've got to go this way to go home. <laughs> we all have to go that way to go home one day, church, but there's no terror for the child of God. There are many religions in this world, there's only one truth. There are many philosophies in this world, there's only one way. And there are many would be saviors in this world, there's only one who gives life. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You talking about awesome power. There's awesome power in the name of Jesus Christ.